sorry, my friend. I mean, uh, look, between doubling up on the Wellbutrin and Ooh. welcoming a new 12-year-old gentleman named Lincoln into our house. Okay, baby. Let's just say my spirits are soaring. There is a brand new dog in the McConkie Grassy household. His name is Lincoln. He is a dreamboat. I cannot wait to touch his head. How is he settling in? How is he? has he found his... Special spot in the sun. Uh, he's a dream. His special spot is wherever he can be less than six feet from us. It, he is That's the great. opposite of a social distancer, and I wouldn't have. He's uh, desperate for affection and love, much love like it. me. We wouldn't have it. it any other way. Look, we're trying to do a short intro today, so I shouldn't have even brought him up because I could do this for two hours. Oh my god! It's it is. This is the thing. You have to open your heart back up to this thing it is painful and it's and it's unfamiliar at first but it is absolutely the right thing to do and it's you know face irreplaceable but there is now a, a whole new room in your heart and soul that uh, it's true a brand new dog holds the key to it's true there were some very dark days and i feel like uh feeling a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel thanks in large part it. to our sweet sweet lincoln Oh, I love it. Lincoln was his name before we got him. I feel like he's lived with it for 12 years. Let him keep it. Let him keep it. Whatever your opinions are about it. As my friend Nigel said, we're focusing on the freed the slaves and the was possibly gay aspect of Lincoln and some yeah. of the other stuff. We're just putting over there. I think that's wise. I think that's very wise. Uh, yeah, I, I, I love him. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. How are mm-hmm. you? I'm great. I'm great. I'm good. Things are... You know, things are uh, – my mom got her first uh, vaccine on Monday, so things are like beginning oh, yeah. to maybe slowly creep back to life. I'm getting a lot of those calls uh, from friends who are like, go to Lake Elsinore. There's a community center there that always has extra doses by mid-afternoon or whatever or like – Gone up to Riverside or, or like I got a I got a picture from a friend who was standing in line at the StubHub Center because, you know, at the end of the day, sometimes they have leftover doses. And I was like, that's too fucking dystopian for me to be like sitting in front of the empty sports stadium, you know, with a mask on my face, waiting, to, waiting to get the 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 antidote for the thing that's killing people. It's just yeah. two children of men. Um, I actually I wrote a thing for my uh, for uh, an Esquire column where I talked to a medical ethicist about whether like what the ethical thing is to do when you get these sorts of calls like what what is the move and um this guy was a jesuit priest is a jesuit priest and a medical ethics professor and as such he did not give me a clear yes or no answer which was frustrating he he leans towards no he frowns on doing it because it encourages an unjust system in which Distribution systems that have been thought about um, and, and carefully constructed, which are different from state to state and county to county, and so it's correct to be a little confused and bewildered by it. But there is implementation, notwithstanding there was some thought that went into how these things are supposed to go. So, so jumping the line is ethically dicey, and so because of that, I'm gonna not do it. So we're. And we're probably a month away from there not being – this not being a question of the allocation of scarce resources. Like yes. we will have new supply and things will be fine. And in the meantime, I have the privilege of working from home. So, so I'm well, going to yeah, keep on keeping uh, look, on. Look, 
I'm holding off. I'm getting all of those leads on on vaccines too, and I'm sending a lot of them to your way. And I'm yeah. holding off on doing it for all of the reasons you just mentioned. But I also feel like you're in a different situation. A little bit, but not really. I'm, I'm type one diabetic, which is a comorbidity in some states, but not in California. And and I'm in good health, and it's and it is controlled. And I'm you know I I, I and I have the the privilege of working from home. So I'm yeah. not, um, I'm not gonna probably do it. I will say this, I, you know, I've been raring to go, right. I've been raring to get back to normal and to be in like in a studio with you and doing this again. I, uh, I did Nick Viles podcast on Monday, uh, guy from the bachelor. Oh, it was a dream. It was so much fun. He's super handsome and nice and charming. And it, it sounds like he's chewing on something every time he talks and I don't know what that is but mm. but he's he's great and um and it's like listened to by a bajillion people and so it's whatever but I was gonna he was like we do it in the studio and it's you know and they spray everything down before and after and we won't be anywhere near each other and you know come on down and I was so ready to do it and then I had anxiety all weekend long like mm. panic level anxiety about it and I had to be honest and say you know what let's do this from home so we did Thank it from God. home yeah. Anyway, the vile files. Give it a listen. That's uh, Lincoln and the vile files. Those are our our hot tips for the week on Homophilia. That's right. Oh, and Over the Moon. Of course, watch Over the Moon on Netflix. Beautiful animated movie, um, starring our guest for this week the the dazzling, the iconic, the legendary, the returning champion, returning champion, Homophilia favorite, Margaret Cho. And we are back with Margaret Cho. Hi. Margaret, how are you? I'm good. Have you did you do another one between us? Just no. us. Good. Just us. Awesome. You're the reason for the season. Now I will say this is uh, I'm double dipping on Margaret Cho today. Nice. She's going to be a part of my upcoming Exactly Right podcast, Waiting for Impact. I love a Dave it. Holmes passion project. Coming this <laughs> summer. Oh wow. To a Yay. to a device near you that's the best um network too you know karen and i grew up together practically i know so I this know. is a, this is fam she's one of the greatest of all time as so are you great. i love her and you thank you i love all the greats together yes so how's your day it's um the cats woke up i moved mm-hmm. around their cat furniture um mm-hmm. i pulled out some um makeup brushes and I use them to groom them. So they they like the makeup brushes on their skin. It's really cute. Let's see if Sacrica Sacrica. I hope we get a glimpse of them. Sacrica. Sacrica. is deaf, so she's hypersensitive. So it's hard to um, pet her with hands. So that's mm. why I use the makeup brushes. She oh, really she likes it. it. So she's great. And then Sakaka and uh, Sarang, which is uh, love in Korean, is her um, assistant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she takes all her notes for Sakaka. Sakaka is the, the star. And they kind of oh, came no. as a, as a, a package a duo. A package duo um, because she had to, uh, uh, Sakaka had to bring her rep. She's her mm-hmm. um, SAG rep. Great. <laughs> you got to have one. You have to have, have an advocate in this world. Rep. That's right. Absolutely. Is she your SAG rep as well? She is not my SAG rep, but I, you know, maybe, maybe one day I will be sick of Gabrielle Carteris. 
Mm-hmm. And I'll do. <laughs> no, I, I never. I'll never be sick of Gabrielle. But um, of course, now how could we but, ever? But uh, yeah, it's it's really so. Now they're running around because I moved all of the cat like tunnels and scratchers, and they're like, "This is all new." Wonderland. I had a new, renewed love for a Gabrielle Carteris after the response to the Trump uh, SAG resignation when they just simply wrote back. Thank you. Perfect. Period. Yeah. Just so glad. Truly the best. So glad. Perfect. I mean, it was like so easy to just unplug Trump. You know, I don't yeah. know why it didn't happen earlier. Just unplug him. Isn't it great? Unplug him. Isn't it so great? great? I mean, you know, I, I oh still don't. I, I still don't feel like, you know, Jason is dead. But no. like, but I, I for the moment, Jason is quiet, and the world is so much nicer. And. and mm-hmm. It's yeah. All you had to do was just like, just turn off that little speaker. Also, um, when you do hear him speak, or when you see a clip from something or whatever, it feels like it's from ten years ago. <laughs> yes. Doesn't it? It doesn't it yes. just feel like from another time. Yes, it's really weird. Instantly I mean, it, archaic. It's so archaic. Again, it's just like I feel sorry for the people who believe in him, you know, because he doesn't mm-hmm. believe in them at all. He's just using them. It's all. Mm-hmm. So selfish and so sickening. Yeah, if he had to spend how time in, how enclosed? Time. Yeah, I mean, yeah. how how enclosed is your bubble? Do you are you ever in the position of having to interface with people that, like you know real MAGA people? Um, I actually went to uh, UPS. Not <laughs> not a brag. Hotbed of no, MAGA activity. No brag, but um, I went in there and I was making an Amazon return. And I walked in, and it was like uh, it was a truck that um, had a flag and a bunch of uh, Trump stuff on it, and on the back like a whole bunch of bumper stickers. You know, like one of those sort of crazy, like really QAnon mm-hmm. vehicles. And there were two guys, I guess, also making Amazon returns, and they were unmasked, and. I just was so scared. Like I just really held my breath because this was right, like right after the insurrection. So I was just nervous, and um, you know they didn't say anything to me, and they didn't say anything to anybody, and nobody at the establishment like really said anything about the masks. It was just weird, but it was scary because I live in like a nicely, very kind of. Um, liberal bastion of Southern California. You wouldn't even imagine that, but it's like Silver Lake. So weird. Yeah. It's always an odd thing. There have been a couple of people, not close people, but like Facebook friends, Mm -hmm. Um, uh, two different women who were involved in like the improv theater where I used to do shows. And um, two of them have gone full queue. Um, so and post weird. videos oh, and post memes, and it's it is it is wild as hell because it's like you can't be a little bit cute. No, you can't, and it's really like all of it is so crazy. Like I, I didn't really understand, but I've tried to do more in sort of investigating, and the whole cannibalism thing is so weird it's, that it's like Hillary Clinton eating babies in the basement of a pizza place. It's like what? Yeah. Why? <laughs> yeah, it's it's <laughs> so wild. So I was on, I I did a fake identity and was on Parlor, like the right wing oh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Twitter that existed for five uh-huh. minutes, and uh, and it's 
because there's no arguing to be done. Everyone agrees with each other. There's none yeah. of this. So it just all goes deeper, right? So it just – like people mm-hmm. go deep immediately into um, conspiracy holes yeah. and um, because there's nothing else to do. And um, I got real – I learned a whole lot about adrenochrome. Are you familiar? No, no. Adrenochrome. It's, it is a um, – there is a belief that the, the global elite, the Hollywood and Washington, D.C. elite um, – abduct children and you know and keep them somewhere and then scare them and then kill them and then um take out their adrenal gland and synthesize it into a party drug called adrenochrome that like gives them youth and energy it's like i think it's like mdma but more so and it's it's really only in this world it's only good like that adrenal gland is only good if you scare the kid so you can't it's it's not only like the evil is not just killing a kid and turning their body into a drug or whatever. It, you have to scare them first. So they have to be having the worst Pennywise. time of their lives. Then you kill them. Yes, yeah, that's it's right. Very, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. very Pennywise where you, it's like yeah. you have to – a fear eater. Yes, that's correct. Whoa. Yeah, it's pretty – I love that they wanted – they need to justify how these Hollywood elites have that that energy, that vitality, that pep in their step. Like, this is the only explanation. Yeah, what is it, a vino? That's not going to do the trick. you got to get a frightened <laughs> kid's adrenal gland. I mean, and it really does, like, uh, minimize the real problem of child abduction and sex trafficking, that which exists. Right. But this is not the way that it exists, you know? It's not the no. real... It's so, it's so infuriating and it's so crazy. And it also, like, I used to love a good conspiracy theory. Now sure. I can't. They they ruin conspiracy theories. They've co-opted the conspiracy theory. Yeah. What are some good conspiracy theories? Any uh, any greatest good, hits? Like good conspiracy theories, like um, the uh, well, JFK was killed by Edgar J. Hoover, which I think is a mm. great one. Um, or you know that whole thing of uh, he's a patsy. Uh, Lee Harvey Oswald's a patsy. Or, uh-huh. um, you know, the Sirhan Sirhan is also a patsy. That all these, like, yeah. ones that are, like, um, that cons- kind of conspiracy. Or even, like, the classic, Elvis is alive. Right. Classic. Jim Morrison is alive. Mm-hmm. Um, or the, the, that uh, Richard Gere and the hamster. Classic Richard Gere and the hamster. Conspiracy yeah. theory. Or Rod Stewart and um, the Gallons sperm of having... <laughs> in a hospital first of all mm-hmm. i've never heard of i mean other than rod stewart and i've been around the gay community for many 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 years and i've never heard yeah. of anybody having to have semen pumped out so so much just so much that you have to go to the hospital i know the weird so i like a good conspiracy theory like that which is not even really a conspiracy i guess that leans into urban myth yeah that's that, that has is. been traced yeah. back to one publicist who uh, who Rod Stewart fired and who vowed revenge. Oh. And he, he started that <laughs> yeah. whisper campaign. That's a true story, the, yeah. Really? A mm-hmm. gallons of semen mm-hmm. being uh, mm-hmm. removed, like surgically wow. removed. Or I don't know if his stomach was pumped. Um, it changes like that. in every reiteration. Yeah, a little activated charcoal great. down there. Get it yeah. up. I think it's great. I think it's great. <laughs> Why can't we go back to those days? Yeah, we days? can't let QAnon ruin those those stories uh, for us, you know? There's spider eggs in bubble yum. 
I mean, these oh, conspiracy yeah. theories are very legitimate you know and great, and we're missing out on the real things that we should be conspiring about. Or McDonald's hamburgers are made out of worms. Right. <laughs> exactly. Do do we consider Marilyn Monroe being killed by the Kennedys a conspiracy a, theory, a, or is that all the that's way? That's a conspiracy fact. theory. That's a great. I mean, that's also all the way fact. Uh-huh. That's also real. I believe, I believe that. Because she yeah. wouldn't have uh, killed herself. She was not in a place to. She had just lost 25 pounds, which to her was a very, very important thing. And, of course, she had some problems. But who didn't in the 60s? The starlet in the 60s, you're going to have some problems. And sure. yeah, I, I do believe she was murdered. Okay. You heard it here first, folks. Yes. It's but official. not to eat her adrenal gland. <laughs> <laughs> Although that would explain a lot. Yeah. Um, what are you watching in quarantine? I just watched uh, Framing. Wait, Framing Br- Br- Britney, Spears, Framing Britney Spears, which is which mm-hmm. is amazing with our our a good friend Dave Holmes, and oh, um, which I loved. I uh, am well. also. I just watched The Clown and the Candyman. Talk about conspiracy. Wow, it goes deep into um, whether John Wayne Gacy was intersecting with um, Dean Coral and other um, gay. Uh, it sort of gets it catches into like seventies gay culture, sixties, seventies gay culture, eighties with Nambla and uh-huh. these things that were like um, periodicals that would go out that would connect um, pedophiles to children, which uh, th- that was actually real. I remember NAMBLA, too. NAMBLA was such a strange organization. It was a North American Man-Boy Love Association. Yeah, yeah. They would show up at Gay Pride, and all of the, all of the people at the parade would be pissed. Like, you don't represent us. Don't come to our parade. This is not about yeah. us. You know, it was, like, so um, infuriating. But um, So it was all sort of part of that. So Clown and the Candyman, it's also a podcast, but it's a very good, um, really intelligent uh, intersection of like all of these different stories brought together and think that this must be a conspiracy. So there's a, it's not yeah. a theory actually. It's backed up by a lot of research and evidence. Oh, snap. All right. Yeah. What happened to NAMBLA? It, it would seem like, you know, the internet, they would flourish and I'm yet sure you never hear that, about them anymore, which good. Yeah, it's good. But I think that they probably um, have all gone into different areas. I mean, the thing about all of that is it goes into different areas of the, the Internet and, you know, maybe they, they don't have that, that sort of a name. You know, they got a lot of uh, weird, f- like, people in it, like Allen Ginsberg was, spoke at a NAMBLA convention one time. There was a, there was a movie, a documentary called Chicken Hawk, which I think is on YouTube, which is all about um, Chicken Hawk, which is made by the same – it was made during the same class as uh, when um, – they made Gigi Allen's Hated. So it's uh-huh. the same crew. Um, so it's... Uh, who's Todd Phillips? He uh, was part of both. And so Chicken uh-huh. Hawk was one of those ones where it was like trying to get into sort of the minds of these guys who were like running NAMBLA and putting out these newsletters and doing like their illustrations and stuff. And it's very, it's very strange. But um, well, who knows where they are? I always wonder... Mike, Some probably fold into QAnon. Possibly. Yeah, like my sort of conspiracy theory is like I would not be surprised if that were a kind of like agitprop, like right-wing 
kind of a situation where it's like, let's create this organization and put them in parades to like test. Because like, you know, if the queer community is really all accepting, then they're part of it and they discredit themselves. And if they shun them, then it's like, well, you know, then they're not welcoming and they discredit themselves that way. It's like, it's such a a no win situation for a community that's trying to get its rights. Exactly. At its most vulnerable time. It's such a crazy thing, but it's also like a subversion of what it means to be gay. Like, it's like, that's what we've been called for millennia is pedophiles and perverts. And it's not true, but, and and I don't consider these guys from Nambla as gay. Because it's just not, that's not the way to identify, but they, they sort of like are trying, we're trying to go into the mantle of that. But it's just a... Another thing of like, how can we discredit the gay community? It would be a yeah. perfect conspiracy. Right. Anyway, fuck them. Glad they're gone. You going back to TV? Yeah, please. Going back to TV. I know you're going to be on Lisa Vanderpump's <laughs> new show. So exciting. Overserved. Yeah. What is your relationship to the current Housewives multiverse? Well, I uh, really enjoy Lisa Vanderpump, mostly because of her connection. With ABC from the eighties, <laughs> of course, shoot so that poison arrow. Fabulous, and so fabulous, still fabulous, and um, so I, I really love her. I think she's really great, and um, I think that was the last appearance of uh, is it Jiggy, the little dog? I think died. Mm. Yes, died yes. Shortly after that. Yeah. But uh, I had a great time. I was excited to see her home, which is like really it's a it's a proper Beverly Hills mansion, you know, that you you know, it's like a very secluded area. You, you can't get there. You have to go past a bunch of guard gates and you get in and there's swans and and ponies and many, many, many dogs. And it's really I, and I've been to her dog rescue and her grooming, her dog grooming salon and. And I, I've done a quite a, a different things. I used to be on Fashion Police, and we've had a bunch of the, the housewives come through there, and also some of the people from Pump. And um, so, yeah, I, I know I haven't watched Utah. Um, I haven't watched, uh, yeah, I haven't watched all of the franchises, but they're they're genius. They're genius. Utah's good. Worth your time. It's a different kind. Of housewife, but I was one time. Uh, this was early on in um, that the era of that program, and I was with um, flipping out Jeff and Lisa Vanderpump and Andy Cohen at um, Gay Pride. Andy Cohen was Grand Marshal, and Jeff flipping out Jeff stole Andy's phone, and it didn't have a lock on it. So it was like there was no code. So oh, no. Andy was freaking out, looking for his phone all day because every but every celebrity is in there under their real name, with their oh, no. cell phone, and he was like, so he couldn't like focus on the fact that he was being honored. And Lisa and Jeff were in on it, and they kept coming over and going, "Have you seen Andy's phone? Andy's really upset he lost his phone." And then at the end of the day, they're like, "We had it," and I'm like, "These people play so rough. I'm scared of them." Oh, I couldn't. <laughs> oh dear, that's too much. That's too much. Too, that's I, too rough. Yeah, I have, I have stress from that. I need it's, to. I need to decompress. It was really scary. <laughs> Good lord. Speaking of, of pride parades and being grand marshals, you know you are a queer icon. Don't know if uh, you've ever been told that before, but um, 
you know, and I, I know we've all kind of talked to death about like why gay men in particular gravitate toward your Margaret shows and your your Joan Riverses and what have you. But I, I guess I'm more curious about what it feels like when a whole community of strangers is coming at you with that much love all the time. Oh, and because it's got to be overwhelming. And I just I'm curious, like how you how you receive it and also kind of protect your sanity. I think it's great. I've never felt a sense of like it crossing a line into um, where it's too much. You know, it, I'm so grateful for that. You know, like I'm so grateful for the exciting amazing career that I've gotten to have and being in the gay community, like just being part of it. But I'm at a very comfortable level of fame and celebrity. I'm never, I'm never like in that area of like Gaga. You know, when you overseas see like Lady Gaga, the only time was during the inauguration that I didn't hear somebody going, mother monster, work, mother, mother, Gaga. There's always those guys that just scream. And I'm like, how did, how they're always the same guys i'm like who are those guys but she uh she i mean that level of fame must be hard to negotiate it's i've almost a very kind of like easy ride so it's nice we love to hear it i'm i'm very happy about it um we talked a bit earlier today about uh your beginnings uh in san francisco yes um working at Stormy oh, what leather. was it called? Stormy, Stormy leather. leather. Yes. Stormy Leather. Mm-hmm. Tell us about Stormy I, Leather. Stormy Leather was an Ooh. lesbian BDSM collective. Uh-huh. It was. It was. They. They. They made like leather dildos and latex clothing and sex toys and. Um, so I was there uh, in the late '80s, early '90s to help them open up a retail marketplace, and uh-huh. um, so. We had um, we had a lot of people bring in um, their submissives. So there was one guy who had come when he had two ma- uh, mistresses, and he was allowed to come once a month. So he would gather all the things that he was going to need. <laughs> it was like <laughs> the most exciting thing. Like, and they would spend thousands of dollars. These are very wealthy people, um, and. You know, he would bring up these things, you know, can I have this, can I have this? And it would be like, you know, the rows of clothespins that you'd snap off, they call the zipper, and a Wartenberg wheel, which is sort of like that spiky wheel. And he would ask for all sorts of different things and, and uh, bring them up. And it was very much like this very celebratory, like, experience. Um, there was another guy who uh, really liked to get pie thrown at him. And then we sort of dug a little deeper and realized, oh, that's actually uh, coprophagia. Like it was chocolate pie. And then because you would go out with them and then it would sort of start to evolve. The fetish would be like, well, I, you know, want more and more and more, which is it's it is its own thing. Um, but he could never present that first. You can't open up with shit on me. Right. you got to like right. bring it in stages. So chocolate pie oh. seemed to be the easiest thing. Sure thing. So you are you're in a world with a high high level of sex positivity in a mm-hmm. truly conservative time in our nation's history. Yes, maybe not in San Francisco, but yes. you know. Well, this is like the era of like the NEA four, 
in which um, <laughs> the National Endowment for the Arts uh, pulled funding for four different artists. I think uh, Karen Finley, was it Karen Finley, Ron Athey, um, oh God, and I know him too. I want to say Tim Miller, um, and then somebody else. And they pulled yeah. funding um, because the uh, moral majority, which is, I guess, I don't know if Family First or one of those organizations were protesting because it was like being used, the money was being used to support these artists who were queer, who were um, doing stuff around HIV AIDS, doing stuff that was very uh, transgressive. And um, so it was like this conservative time, but it, you know, because it was like the first Bush era. Right. So it was like this thing of like we're turning over from what Reagan to Bush. Well, yeah, just a yeah, a, a like a you, you look back and it's it's true. Like the the revolution was like the Alex P. Keaton's. You know, like there was this totally. young generation of like young real, yeah, real Who snappy really young conservatives. It. This is where Tucker Carlson comes from, for sure. You know, Tucker Carlson. Wanted to like pull pull in that Orville Orville Redenbacher realness, yeah. and put on the little bow tie and was like, "I'm conservative," and I'm you know, um, he he was coming from a real sort of the Sloan Rangers are kind of part of that sort of the British, um, well off, uh, I, not Ivy League, so that would be like Oxford and Cambridge, the the those big schools and. Um, yeah. You know, they had money and they had pearls and they wanted to be like their parents, which well, Alex B. Keaton didn't want to be like his parents. His parents were hippies. Right. <laughs> you know, right. It's wild looking back at like, you know, your Duran Duran and Spandau Ballet and, and like the people who were my heroes were like real pro Thatcher. Well, it's like um, it, it's almost like, it, it, you know, greed was good. Wealth was right. good, so this is like yuppies. So you know, yeah. the, there was like this thing of like this economic boom that everybody was uh, really reveling in. Um, so I don't know exactly. Like it was more of a lifestyle. Even ABC were sort of promoting this very flashy lifestyle. Um, yeah. And James Bond, and it was good. You know, it was good to be wealthy. It was good to be rich. It's it's a strange thing now. Um, Morgan Wallen now has the number one album again for like the fourth week in a row oh, in the country. And it's mm-hmm. all like, it's exploded since, you know, he was caught on tape so sickening. using a slur yeah. and it's like, and it, it has exploded and it's stayed exploded. Yeah. What's like it wasn't the, just like a one week bump. It's, it's a month so, now. It's so weird that what, what disturbs me isn't, isn't really, um, it, it, it's it's what it is is the the casual nature in which he uses the slur. It's not particularly uh-huh. hateful, but it rolls off of his tongue so easily that yeah. it's that thing of like you're not even conscious of this being deeply disturbing. You're not even conscious about this being a deeply racist thing. This is just mm-hmm. the natural state of the unobserved Morgan Wallen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's so weird. In his natural habitat, yeah, that is just who he is. Anyway, Ooh. upsetting. What are you? What are you listening to now? I am listening to Galileo Seven. I have been Ooh. listening to some Fleur, which is uh, Fleur is like um, sort of a Yee Yee girl. It's like uh, hmm. you know, it's it's sort of the Jane Birkin. Um, 
Serge Gainsbourg sort of like muse flurs. It's like very, it's very cool. Uh, I love Beach Bunny so much. Oh, yeah. Oh my God, I love them. And I love, oh God, Phoebe, everybody knows Phoebe Bridger, my favorite mm-hmm. record last year and into this year, the, the, um, the acoustic versions. Um, I really, I, I really get into that. I think it's just so exciting. Um, Claro, they're all okay. young women, you know, in Billie Eilish. I love this sort of girls that could be my granddaughter. Mi- uh, Mitski. Mm-hmm. Mitski's great. Um, Frank Turner, of course, we always love. Frank Turner is good for so many records. I'm you telling turned me on you. to him. So many Yes, records. I did. Yeah, he's, he's, he'll never let you down. And he's been he's given some good uh, pandemic performances as well. Yes, he's great. And uh, he's, just a, he's just an amazing, amazing guy. Um, I love the new Bob Mould record, um, yeah. which is awesome. Um, so, yeah, it's like kind of, it's such a weird thing to, oh, I've been listening to a lot of She and Him. I just worked with Zoe Deschanel yeah. a couple of days ago. And so I was like, preparing. I love and then this. a lot of K-pop. The um, BTS record uh, was was phenomenal. The new Black Pink is phenomenal. Um, yeah, I love I love it. That song "Disease" on the new BTS record, I can't get enough. Crazy! Of. They're so amazing, and you know, there's no real um, equivalent I can think of, like historically, of like a band, especially like a male fronted band, where they all are super exceptional. I mean, I guess the would be closest would be, I guess, like the Beatles, maybe the uh-huh. Beach Boys. Um, although I don't like Mike Love. I really Nobody likes like, Mike Love. I don't like Mike Love. I mean, and Al Jardine sometimes on the fence. Okay. But Mike Love is the obvious heel. <laughs> yeah, but the greatest guys, I mean, the, I love the Brian, Brian and Dennis and Carl. And, you know, I think... They're great, but yeah, I get. I I, I definitely. I, there was a few years where I could only listen to the Beach Boys. Yeah. And um, then I got tired of going to concerts with all fifty-plus-year-old uh, straight white dads with baseball jackets. It was like the 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 crinkling oh, of sure. the leather on the baseball jacket that really bothered me. <laughs> and I was like, this is like bothering my hair and my head. Like, yeah. my ears were like get that crinkly. That straight man leather sleeve. Ugh. Yeah. Never you can just more. feel the discomfort right it's, there in the crease of the elbow. Like a burn right here. And like yeah. a, you know, a sidekick on the belt. <laughs> no, thank you. No, Do you have a bias you. in BTS? Jimin. Really? Okay. Puck Jimin. Jimin, um, okay. I think, yeah. I also like RM, but... Um, Rap monster, Same. but I like Jimin. Jimin is my bias. Do you have a bias? Okay, I th- I'm, I'm leaning toward J Hope. I <gasps> oh, was an RM, but then J Hope wrecked it. J Hope is gorgeous, but sometimes I will cheat on Jimin with a V. Okay. Taehyun. Yeah. Taehyun is like, I am like, how is he so gorgeous? Jimin is really Jimin is like Prince, though. He like is that perfect. Male beauty that can edges into the feminine, yeah. but so masculine. It's like very, oh, it's beguiling. Jimin is the one that all of like the straight men who are K-pop fans fall for. They're like, yeah, I'm pretty straight, mm. but 
I would, uh, Jimin, Jimin can get it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're all beautiful. All beautiful. Yeah. I just, I, J-Hope's got an energy that I, so cute. that I am, I'm drawn by. Yeah. They're, uh, <laughs> they were really special. They did a live, uh, stream for Chisuk, which is Korean, um, Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was really like this beautiful thing to have that moment with them eating our rice cakes and, yeah. uh, Waiting, waiting for the harvest. They're special. Love it. Love it. Um, I, I wanted to ask you about aging because I read an interview that I think you did recently where you were talking about it and saying that looking back 27 was your hardest age Mm -hmm. and it really struck me because I have always uh, sort of like romanticized that age in particular and said like I wish I was still there and you know I've been sort of stuck there emotionally for a long time Mm -hmm. but hearing you say that I was like oh yeah that did fucking suck it was it was actually a Time time. Why was it so? Why is that the age that you would not want to repeat? I was just so unhappy with at that time my body, my career, my. I was on the way to something good, but I was just so unhappy with my relationships. My hormones were going crazy. Um, I think it was just so negative. There, there were so many things that were so negative. Also, it was the era, it was the 90s where. The, the the chic was to hate yourself. It was like that. It wasn't YOLO. It was like yeah. hate yourself. And so it was very hard to emerge from that feeling good. That like feeling good was such a not thing. We didn't do that. It wasn't a thing. And so um, I think, and also like just not being able to appreciate myself, you know, in any way physically was very hard. I didn't really appreciate it until much later. Also, we didn't take photos. And we didn't have um, photo editing at all. There was, And there was nothing like that. You know, if you wanted to take a photo, you would have to take a photo with the camera and then take it to the drugstore and get it yeah. uh, developed. I mean, these yeah. kids today. Get your doubles. These, yeah, these kids, I know, contact sheet. These kids today have it all. They really do. Really? And then, then there was a moment like between the film camera and, you know, social media and stuff, the digital camera age yes. is just gone. Yeah. We took a bajillion pictures, but I, and they're stored on a, you know, some kind of a hard drive somewhere that wouldn't connect somewhere. to one of my laptops I if I tried. Wrong. I know. Yeah. It's so weird. There's a missing 10 years. It really is. Yeah, the mid-offs are gone. The mid-offs are are absolutely gone. I mean, we've got to, we bring them back, uh, fortunately, with documentaries like Framing Britney Spears and things like that, you know, Mm -hmm. which is, um, because it's it's a really unexamined time because we don't have anything from there. So weird. Are you, are you nostalgic about certain parts of your past? Like, what's your relationship, you know, to your younger Margaret and, and and like, how do you think about her now when you, Um, you look? I'm definitely nostalgic and I wish that I had taken more photos. I wish I had more images of myself. Somebody sent me today um, a page out of a Playboy magazine from, I think, 1994. And it had me in there with uh, 
latex dress on and I was just like so moved like oh that's so great because I don't have very many things and so I miss it I miss that time just because I don't know what it looks like I know what it looks like in my mind's eye but I don't really physically have the images um, to prove that I was there so I wish that I had more pictures but we just didn't think about it then who would have imagined how much the world would change you know we didn't know um and I thought in the year 2000 when I was a kid I thought I would be old I thought that 30 I was like 33, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36. I thought that was old. I was so wrong. To me now, I'm like, that's a baby. Yeah. Child. Yeah, of course. And like Kiana, you were saying, I mean, you, you've been so open about having had body image issues in the past and, and feeling so much more beautiful now. Um, and I have my own noise about aging and appearance and all that stuff. But is it is it for you just a natural byproduct of getting older or is it something it's you consciously work it's both. at i mean it's both a natural um sort of easing back of like the hormones that make you insecure which is actually like something to do with like well, you realize that when you can depersonalize your existence and understand that you're merely a bunch of chemical reactions happening at the same time then you can sort of uh demystify all of these terrible emotions that you think are like real it's actually no these are just like byproducts of nerves synapses whatever um so it's like kind of really understanding that you know we have a limited time on earth and we should actually just enjoy it and that it's really about perspective also it's channeling my anxiety into productive action so um which i did during the biden harris campaign i was so worried that Trump was going to be president again, that I spent a lot of energy working on the Biden-Harris campaign. And so what I do now is if anytime I feel worried about feeling weird, I put on one of my very strange LED masks. So I have these LED-like masks that I put on that are very, um, it's kind of Daft Punk, RIP. It's very, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's, but it really is like this thing that um, kind of soothes my soul and I think it doesn't make me work work it works and looks make me look younger or better so I I do like a a bit of microcurrent I have several microcurrent devices um I like to use a lot of electricity and LED light so that's your secret that and the adrenal glands eating eating the children but I gotta scare them first just a hit and a half of adrenochrome you know uh, l- late in the day, so it really kicks in around the mm-hmm. magic hour. Yeah, but not yeah. too late so I can go to bed. Yeah, exactly. 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 We're not spring chickens. Um, after the election and before the calling of the election, what was your self-care practice? Oh, God. I was so worried. And then I kept looking, and I like, wouldn't change. Like It was like the, the red and the blue would like it would go this way and this way and this way, and it, mm-hmm. it wouldn't really change. And I was like... I can't push refresh anymore. I can't reload this page again. I need to just step away and not worry about it. So I watched The Servant, which is a very beautiful 1960s Dirk Bogard movie uh, with James Uh Fox. And it's it's a homoerotic drama, but there's no real gay sex in it. It's just about a man and his manservant. Come on Um, In the early 60s in black and white with gorgeous Dirk Bogard. Very, very good movie. So I watched that, which will take my mind off of things. 
Usually if I can watch two British men in a movie, I can really calm down. So it's The Servant, with Dale and I. <laughs> oh, great. Stuff like that. Uh, Mo- Morris or Maurice, have you watched uh, that recently? Oh, beautiful. that's beautiful. With Hugh, is it Hugh Grant? Hugh and Grant. Julian Sands? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, oh, Rupert, um, Rupert oh, fuck, not Rupert Everett. Rupert Everett. No, it's a different Rupert. Rupert oh. Friend or something? Oh, Rupert, Rupert, Rupert Graves. Friend, yes. Rupert Graves. Oh. Um, yeah. I gotta watch Ooh. that. It's great. That's great. Yeah, like all of those great sort of Merchant Ivory or Merchant Ivory-esque movies. And then like even the trashy ones, um, like um, uh, Lair of the White Worm. Mm-hmm. And uh, The Rainbow is a good one, too. Um, the D.H. Lawrence things. Oh, and then there's a good okay. uh, love. Uh, Women in Love has a good Oliver Reed, Albert Finney wrestling scene. That uh, Is it Albert Finney? No, it's... Um, Oh, gosh, I can't remember. But Oliver Reed is always good when he's naked and wrestling. Absolutely. The notes mm. that I am taking. <laughs> extensive. I mean, oh, Rex on Rex. Yes. Rex on Rex on Rex. Yes. We love this. Um, so are you locked down with anyone in particular? Uh, with my dog, Lucia Caterina, and Sacre uh-huh. uh, Saudade. And Sarang John Child. So those are my cats and my dog. Uh And then every once in a while, I'll see, uh, I have a gentleman caller. He's very, very fun and nice. And then, um, because I was doing a lot of different things before the lockdown. I was on a lot of dating apps. And um, so I dated this one young woman who uh, was Japanese and she was 30. And everybody thought she was my daughter. And I was Mm. mortified. (laughs) <laughs> but she was fun. And we were taking a lot of Japanese bondage classes. And Ooh. I was learning all my knots and all of my shibari stuff. And then uh, I was dating another woman who uh, did pony play, which I didn't really understand. But she gave me a horse comb, which I thought yeah. was nice. And I did get a, an Hermes uh, riding crop. Wow. So that was nice. Um, what does pony play entail, if I may? Pony pry? play is like you put on like a bridle and like a, a, you know, like a big, like one of those things on the head. It's like a big like thing that is like feathers and, yeah. or whatever. And like just sort of a harness. And, you, you know, you just sort of walk around between the living room and the dining room clopping around. You're the horse. You get uh, maybe pieces of apple or a sugar cube. And, um, yeah, I'm like, when do I nut? I don't know anything about this. This is not yeah. my kink, but I appreciated the effort that went into it. And it was really fun. But at the same time, I was like, I don't really understand how this is happening. Um, then I dated another young man who took me to his dungeon. He's a male dom- dominant. But he was so young. He was 26. And oh, I was oh, just, God. I'm so old. I, I'm not, I'm 52, but I, I just, and he was so nice and he's very lovely. Um, but it just was, I, I think that also like when you go to the dungeon, there's such a removal of like any sort of understanding of like, this is actually like intimacy, you know, because yeah. you're going to a place. So for me, like any of that, that sort of very showy sex is really, there's a disconnect in my um, body. 
So don't feel like, essentially, like the things that you should feel in those experiences, like I don't feel turned on and I don't feel like this is exciting. I feel like this is almost like going to like uh, Six Flags. Yeah. There's something very Six Flags theme restaurant about stuff like that, you know, so I'm removed Yeah, the spontaneity from, goes away. Yeah. I'm removed from the experience, like this is supposed to be exciting, that, that sort of... You pin it in your mind as this is supposed to be exciting. Therefore, my mind goes away someplace else. Like, there's a really great sex club on Lancashire, deep in North Hollywood. Like, you keep going past all of the uh, all of the pizza restaurants, and you keep going past um, everything, and then it goes deep, deep in Lancashire. And there's uh, an S and M club called the Lair de Sade. So I used to go there and. Um, they would always have chili and chocolate chip cookies. Seems unwise. Chili? chili. That seems unwise. Yeah, I don't. Which is I, not great for a sex party. No. Chili. No. It seems like the one food that you that that nobody wants to be near yeah. in a sexual environment. And then a bread bowl with hmm. a artichoke dip, which was good. Well, but, who doesn't like and that? And like a good old like a French onion. Um, Sour cream, French onion soup mixed sour cream, La- Alari's sour cream dip. Oh um, wow! Which for the ooh, for yeah. the mouth, not great. No, so there was like this thing of like this food is not the, but it was it tastes tasty, but somehow pulled you out of the experience. Uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, <laughs> I'm already out. That that's that's bold. That is a bold <laughs> menu for sex play. Really, I, I mean, yeah, like you would think like chocolate covered strawberries and. Sure. Something like that. Maybe champagne, caviar, light. maybe. A light maybe menu. Light. Or like whatever's served on that table during the um, that In Excess video where there's cats on it. Oh, terrific. Is it yeah. The one that thing? was like, yeah. That was a lot of figs, as I recall. Figs yeah, and grapes. Figs and hay, like Sexy fruits. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was a oh, good Oh, there's one. another good wreck is um, uh, the tube on YouTube. Which is uh, the um, Jules Holland Polly Yates? Yeah. Speaking of Michael Hutchins, they're they're uh, top of the pops, but it's an off-brand top of the pops. So it's the alternative top of the pops. It's where uh-huh. um, I think a tampon was pulled out from L Seven. Oh my! And they were on and thrown into the pit. They had a pit. Um, oh god! So if you want to see any sort of Madchester uh, Brit pop stuff, it's all very it's unedited. It's very uh-huh. shaky handheld camera, and it's Polly Yates, who is just so beautiful yeah. and so interesting and so troubled and uh, really great. And then, you know, I think Michael Hutchins is in there a bunch of different times, and Jules Holland is really wonderful, and it's them in the 80s, early 90s, mid-90s. It's an excellent show to watch. Oh, Good Frankie goes to Hollywood, too. Right. Up my alley, yeah. They, um, it ran on MTV for like a month in the eighties. The mm-hmm. tube, they, they had the rights very briefly, and I think it just didn't so, translate for the kids. I mean, people really remember Top of the Pops because that's the institution, but the tube is the shit. Like that's really rock and roll because uh, it wasn't in London. It was like in I don't think I think it was in Leeds or something or Hull, sure. like someplace you don't, you don't go really if you're not yeah. from there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. Top of the Pops has been our pandemic uh, binge watch because oh, a great? ton of them are up on YouTube and yeah. they're so incredible. So 
so incredible. They're so incredible. It's the, but the difference between Top of the Pops and the Tube is on the Tube, they're actually everybody's playing live, and on okay. Top of the Pops, it's all lip sync, which is okay too, because there's a lot of amusing things that happen there because everybody's just sort of trying to pretend. And um, sure, it's very. I like that uh, the Smiths on Top of the Pops because Morsey has the gladiolas <sighs> in his back pocket. Oh, it's just so beautiful. such exquisite pain that he is in at all times i know i wish he wasn't so it's glorious mean now yeah yeah talk about right. a heel turn jesus lord ah, it's sad because he was truly he was great for so long and i really mm-hmm. love their music and i love johnny marr and i love them but man i just i wish you, you could separate the art from the artist sometimes yeah yeah Sometimes. Sometimes you can. Sometimes you can. By the way, have you seen can. the uh, Alan B. Farrow HBO I'm doc yet? I'm going to watch it today. Okay. I'm so excited. Harrowing. I know. I was My, my boyfriend was like, why are you so excited for this? I'm like, no, I'm not. It's very dark. It's very upsetting. I th- I'm just so – I think it's the just the idea that this could be some kind of tipping mm-hmm. point for Dylan. It's very exciting. It's really important because I think that – it's just like these predators have been able to go on so unchecked for so long because of that excuse as like genius or straight male genius or just genius excuses everything. And it doesn't, you know, genius can be a separate entity to all of it. You know, just because you're a genius doesn't mean you're going to be a good person. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I do think you can I sometimes separate the art from the, the artist, but, but in most cases it taints it for me to the point that the appeal is just gone. Yeah, the only one that I have trouble with is Roman Polanski because I love Rosemary's Baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it's really hard because I think he's such an asshole, but I love, I love that movie, so it's kind of like that's the only... And I love um, Repulsion... Um, I love Bitter Moon. It, it's it's hard because these are like movies that really sort of made me in my spirit, and so oh, the Tenet is great too. He's actually in that, mm-hmm. but you know, and, and, and those movies are like when he's actively doing the shit that he's accused of. So yeah. it's a, you know, it's like horrible. For me, it's like I can still listen to Off the Wall because I can fool myself that Michael mm-hmm. Jackson was just young and very busy and the bad shit wouldn't happen until later. I can still listen yeah. to how soon is now because yeah. Morrissey was Morrissey then. And now he's just like your shitty uncle. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't listen to anything new, but like I can still with a clean conscience, listen to how soon is now and feel okay. Yeah. That, that, those, those are the stories I tell myself. Well, it's like, you know, it, it's hard because we grew up with this music and it's hard and we have built a relationship to it outside of with who the artist is completely. So right. it's very it's 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 a very challenging thing as a music fan, as a film fan to reconcile um my own grievances with the person with their art. Yeah. Um there's an unproblematic movie that your talk of in excess reminded me of and if you've seen it I, it's all I want to talk about with you forever. And if you haven't, uh-huh. then I'm just I'm going to send you right to Amazon. Uh, the 1981 Australian new wave musical Starstruck. Oh, I got body, I got soul. I got She's, seen it. She's seen, seen it. it. 
She said, gonna trust him with my future. It's so amazing. Matt, have you seen it? Beautiful. No. I'm, I'm right after we're finished here today. There's a Disney oh, Channel, Starstruck, This Is Not That. 1981, Australian, magnificent. It's also on 2B. Um, and it was on... Oh, yeah, it uh, would be. Yeah, it was on... It was on um, the Criterion Channel Criterion, until recently. Because they did yeah. an Australian New Wave thing, but it's off now. But it's such a great movie, and it really holds up, and it looks great. And it's, it's so cool. Beautiful. She is such a star. Um, the actress in it, I, I don't Joe think Kennedy. That, yeah, I don't think she did it very much after that. She did some TV, but... She's mm-hmm. so great, and it, the fashion in it—it's kind of like early sort of prototype, like Cindy Lauper stuff. Um, it's mm-hmm. like that kind of jungle of like uh, rhinestone jewelry and crazy red hair and tutus, and um, the fashion is like impeccable. The music was done by um, Tim Finn. It's a split ends um, soundtrack, and he's actually I think in it sometimes. Very little, little bits. They, they, he did a couple of weird films. There was another one called, I think, The Coca-Cola Kid, where he's briefly in because he was dating Greta Scucci. She's in it with Eric Roberts. But um, the, yeah, Star Trek is like one of my favorite movies. It is a masterpiece. It is a masterpiece. masterpiece. And it's ridiculous. And I'm very sorry about my dog. And then immediately, like, it's, it's insane. And, and you're like, this is ridiculous. But then, It'll turn and you'll see a, a a musical set piece that's like up with Singing in the Rain. Absolutely. Like it's there are some of the best things Berkeley. I've ever seen in a movie or in this movie. And very new wave and, and very much like um, this this very foreign but familiar place, which is 80s Australia, which is still kind of a yeah. frontier, still kind of like um, this very unknown exotic place, but it also looks like uh, very middle class England, you know, and yeah. it's so I, I I just love it. I love the movie. I love the music. I love the message. Mm. It's a great, 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 great film. Same. Never let you down. Never let you down. Speaking of, uh, speaking of great Never. films, uh, you're in the Netflix animated movie Over the Moon, yes. which is uh, so beautiful. A musical about a girl who builds a rocket to the moon, yes. and it's got an all Asian or majority Asian cast. Yes, yes. and um, I'm I'm just curious. Like, have you thought about, or I'm or I'm sure you thought about what a movie like this would have meant to you as a little girl? I think so much because there's nothing uh, like it that's happened. You know, there's never been a huge animated feature like this. That's really for everybody. It's it's not just for Asian people. It's really for, for it's, it's a global thing, and also for it to come out at a time when. Asian Americans are experiencing so so much racism, so many hate crimes, and it's actually gotten really terrible, especially with the elderly, with Asian American elderly people all over, and it's it's really scary. But it's certainly something that's very healing. It's a beautiful film. I wish I had had it when I was growing up, but it's great to be a part of it. Um, and a dream team cast, just Sandra Oh and John Cho and Philippa Sue and uh, Ken Jeong and Everybody is so great in it, and we had an amazing time. And I know you don't have ki- or you don't have human kids, but what is your relationship to kids in general? I think that it's really. I mean, I think kids are great. Like, I just think they're so smart. They're so much smarter than I was when I was a kid. 
And I really learned a lot, especially from like young influencers and looking at them on YouTube, like young people doing like different kinds of things or um, even like Desmond is amazing. I think Desmond is really amazing. He's so awesome. And it's just a very incredible thing to see. I, I love that. I think, I think they're really, they're really teachers to me. Cause imagine like you grew up like with the smartphone you would be so much more ahead of everything and everybody. Before you go, I mean, you you mentioned this, you know, horrific rise in uh, violence against Asian Americans. And I, I, I did just want to ask, like, how you're thinking about that, how you're how you're processing these disturbing incidents. It feels like the media is kind of on slow on the uptake, but we're sort of just. Um, you know, finally acknowledging. Well, it reminds me a lot of the fear and discrimination and terror around the gay community and AIDS, you know, because there there was so much um, anger at gay people because of AIDS, as if it was the fault of their own, or it was like these religious people saying, oh, well, it's from God to punish you for gay sex, and all, it reminds me of all of that, that terrible time, you know, where we lost so many people in our community and we had to endure even mainstream homophobia. Even like rock stars were wearing T-shirts that said AIDS kills fags dead. Yeah. Who was that? Was that Sebastian Bach? No, Sebastian Bach. Yeah. Broadway's I mean, own Sebastian Bach. It's <laughs> like... He should eat his hat. I hope he eats his hat. Mm-hmm. Um, has he apologized? He's apologized. For that <laughs> yeah, he has. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm sure. Because it's like. It's still rough. The, the thing is, is that it's the um, era allowed it because, you know, there was this thing of like, well, why don't we just blame somebody for this plague? And so now it's Asians for coronavirus, which mm-hmm. there's nobody you can blame for. A pandemic, you you know, you you can't like viruses. All of it, they're not. It's not personal. It's like underneath all of the stuff. People don't understand science. That's why it's so weird that it like all kind of ties in with the QAnon and mask not masking and you know, Trump. All of no. that is very very sickening. Yeah, and it also feels like that in that the community that it is happening to has had to sort of be uh, unapologetically loud about getting the rest of the world to, you know, pay attention to what's happening. Absolutely. Yeah. It's very important because it's almost as if we don't have a voice. I mean, because we don't have a huge mainstream presence. But I think that the way that we view Asian Americans nowadays is very um, limited. You know, you see them as like crazy rich Asians or bling empire, which I love, by the way, um, which I did watch. I think it's great. So you see them like hyper wealthy, uh, beautiful Asian people. And then, you know, we have this disease that's come from China. So where can we place the blame on the other, which they seem like they have no problems, which is not true. You know, we don't have enough images of Asian Americans to really understand or humanize our experience. So we become other just because of our invisibility. Margaret, you are the best. Yes, thank you. 
the greatest. It's such an honor Thank to you spend so an hour with you. Thank such you so, so much for doing Thank this. Thank you. And best of luck at the Globes. Oh, my God. Thank you very much. Yes. We'll see. Come on. That'd be great.